It seems like in every city there are production companies popping up everywhere that want to produce shows that speak to them. Not every company has the budget or space to produce a Broadway size show. In New York, the shows that really bring in the audiences are big budgets in big theaters, with big casts, big orchestras. In Vancouver, there aren't many companies that have large budgets or spaces to produce such big shows. So there is a movement to rethink or reimagine Broadway shows for the small stage, and in some cases, just a small room. In Vancouver, Studio 58 at Langara College is a well-known acting program, and they have been successfully staging musicals in their quite famous black box basement theater for many years. 42nd Street is the next musical to open this February in what is their 51st season of shows. On today's episode, we talk to the associate director David Hudgens and artistic director Catherine Shaw about producing musicals in this unique space. So let's descend into the basement from the pit. Today, we welcome Catherine Shaw and David Hudgens uh, to the show. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. It's fun to be here. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about, because I don't know a lot about the history of Studio 58, but can you describe, in your own words, the actual space, 58? How would you describe it to other people, the theater? Oh, well, I'd describe it as a jerry-rigged room that has a pillar in the middle of it. It was originally designed in 1971 in, uh, to be a flexible space, believe it or not, and there wasn't permanent seating. Uh, the stage was where the props room is now, and what we call what's left of it is the small stage. But it was a, kind of a big empty room with, a, with two pillars in it, one of them now is contained in the seating, and the other one is, of course, in the middle. Well, not quite in the middle of the stage, but off to stage right in a very prominent position. And it's only got the maximum height for any flat or anything really is about 11 feet. Hmm. We can sometimes squeeze 12 in, but it's a tight fit because we've got also all the pipes and everything from the... Um, heating system for the building and the um, cafeteria, which is upstairs. So, yeah. So it's a room that has a lot of leaks in it that come from the cafeteria as well. (laughs) And um, it really is a jerry-rigged room is the best way to put it. Right. Um, You know, having been there now a lot, it's amazing. You do hear all the pipework at different times in the day. And it's absolutely amazing to see what, what's happening upstairs. It's kind yeah. of like a pipe well, organ. Well, also you hear all the carts, the uh, kitchen carts. You hear um, there seems to be some gigantic flushing from the sky that comes down <laughs> up in one of the corners. And right. uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things to work against in that space. Mm-hmm. But what it does have in its favor is... The way it's been configured is a really great actor-audience relationship. Right. It's a small house. It only seats 100, or we really cram them in like 110. (laughs) But um, there's a really, really good relationship between the actor and the audience. That's right. Um, And 
basic dimensions of room? How, how wide is the room? Do you know often? Like um, from the pillar to the it's about wall? A, is it 30 feet? 25 by um, wide? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. 25 wide. And, and then about, it's about... No, I think it's... Well, it depends if... <laughs> it's hard to say because well, of... Well, who knows where you start to measure. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. Where does it start? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm right. not very good on dimensions. No. But, the way uh, that I would describe it is like a really subtle amphitheater. Right. That it's not... It's like a black box, except that there's a slight curve to the audience around the theater. Right. So you actually... It actually does something for musicals in a way you kind of already you're starting with this idea of a of a sort of focal um, spread, you know, right out into the audience. I, I was trying to think that way when I was directing them, right, yeah. um, that there's almost like a speaker effect coming from the from that um, stage. And we talk about the pillar that's in the middle of the well, not quite the middle of <laughs> the stage, right. Um, it's it's fairly large piece. I mean, it's a the two, and a half, two and a half feet on the square. Is it that yeah. the pillar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And it's this creative. Um, I mean, it, it at first glance it goes, "What the hell are you going to do right. in this space?" But it actually has turned out to be sort of a creative problem mm-hmm. that has actually created a lot of very interesting solutions from set designers and directors and and actors. It definitely feels that way, and especially you only really know what the space looks like when you go in there in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you see the shows, you almost would never know. No, what and that that space. pillar has um, been many different kinds of trees um, <laughs> over the years, and it also serves as it's going to in Forty Second Street as one half of a proscenium arch. We have a fake pillar we put up over on the other side sometimes. That's right. right. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I know you had a tagline, and I don't know if that was Sherry that had decided on it, but it's, it was big shows on the small stage. Yeah, that um, was my that idea. Was it? Okay. Yeah. And when we decided to do Oklahoma a couple years ago, <laughs> yes. I, said, um, I said, I want this as the pu- publicity line. See the big um, musical on the small stage. Right. Because uh, that's it. I mean, mm. and, you know, Oklahoma is a huge musical. Normally, you think of it in a great big space. And With you're the gonna, sweeping landscape of Oklahoma. That's right. Yeah, and you're going to see it in a little tiny space. And so I said, that's what I want the byline to be. And I think the thing about that, I think about that musical is that you're always, I mean, the challenge of the space is that you're always having to, in a way, do a slight creative compromise, no matter what area it's in. Right. Like I know you felt in the pit that it was pretty cramped in there, and it was. And that was specifically because we were trying to get the, the musicians placed in a way that we felt we could get the, the best blend of sound yeah. and um, also, in a way, hide you yes, too, right. so that we get that idea of expanse. So, But everything becomes a bit of, I always feel it's um, playing with levels, try to, try to find the balance between this and the other thing. So in doing that, it actually creates a sort of a creative... Um, problem solving that sometimes I think goes into really exciting ideas. I think so too. One of the reasons it excites me about studios, it reminds me a little bit about writing poetry. Um, within a sonnet, you have to stick with a certain amount of lines and a certain amount of you know syllables. And in a way, the reason the form is there is to create the most creativity to be within those boundaries. And I find it works very similar at studio for those reasons. I don't know how successful the shows would be if it was in a different space sometimes, mm-hmm. depending if you didn't have that, that issues. And I love that, that idea anyway. That's, I agree with that. Yeah. It seems to bring out that idea. 
Can you tell me a bit about the name Studio 58? Why is it called Studio 58? Oh, it's a very pedestrian reason. And that is that, oh, this is many years ago when Anthony Holland was the artistic director back in the 70s. He got the idea that, you know, the theater kind of company thing should be called something. It was referred to when I first started working there, which is a um, desperately long time ago. Um, it was just called Langara. Everybody would say, oh yeah, you're working out at Langara. And he decided that, you know, so he had a naming contest amongst the students. Hmm. And guess what? This is room 58, according to Langara College. It was in room 58. That's what the studio room is. And hmm. so um, somebody suggested, well, let's call it Studio 58. And that's what happened. Right. Now, it did cause a lot of problems back then, actually, because these were in the days of Studio 54 in New York. <laughs> and so there was confusion, and it maybe wasn't the best choice of name, but it's the one that stuck, and right. it's the one that has um, endured all these years. So that's where Studio 58 came from. It's a pedestrian right. Uh, nomenclature. Right. Well, it seemed, it's obviously stuck. And yeah. people now know it. I, we've gotten past the '70s parties at 58, at 54, I suppose, yeah. in New York. So it's not as, yeah, <laughs> it's not the same as one. Well, one outlasted the others. So That's right. Like, yeah. it has also the school has also engendered um, other companies like Motion 58, which is a production company for film right. from grads from our program. Oh, so right, they, right. they named it partially after the place. Does Studio 58 have a mandate? I mean, besides being an educational institution, is there a mandate for the for the program? Um, basically, it's to train professional theater personnel, you know, right. who will also work in related industries. Right. That's really what it is. Both actors and uh, production backstage people, you know, and right. to give them the skills that will allow them to have successful careers <clears throat> as in the artistic industries, basically. Right. And it's a three-year program altogether? It's three right? years for actors and two years for production. Ah, Okay. I would yeah. say that one of the sort of unstated pedagogical um, mandates that we would have is variety, to try to give the students a variety yeah. of experience mm -hmm. in different areas that they will be exposed to and, and potentially could get work in in the future, right? So right. I think that's why the musical theater, when at first glance doesn't seem like we would be necessarily the perfect school for that because you know we do have we do have uh, singing teachers and we do have an emphasis on musical theater but it's not at the very heart of all that we do uh, mm -hmm. unlike other programs but somehow i think that um the train that the students get so getting on the same subject now about the space because it's so interesting when did studio decide to start producing musicals Oh, we've been doing them as long as I've ever been uh, involved. Right. You know. Would you remember what the first one was? Oh, I remember a really <laughs> stupid one way back called Salad Days. Sounds 
salad days. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even heard of it. I've heard yeah. of this. I mean, that no. must have been... And I remember that one of the first shows that Anthony produced, it wasn't a musical, but it was a play with music, was Oh, What a Lovely War. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Way back. And But I certainly remember... Um, that production of Salad Days, and um, I many many years ago directed uh, a, a musical called The Robber Bridegroom. Oh um, yes, right, The Robber Bridegroom. Yeah, yeah. way I back. Don't know very well. Yeah. Um, it's, but they on and off. Oh yeah, Jacques Brel was right? produced mm. way back in the seventies, early eighties. Um, yeah, so there's always been musicals all right. along. I mean. Not to the scale at which we are currently producing, I will say. I mean, I have kind of gone over the top here. (laughs) (laughs) What I one of the things I I love about studio is that um, all of the lower terms have to contribute to the shows and on crew or running crew or uh, painting and all of that. That's very unique. Not a lot of other schools do that. I know they don't really do that at CAP. They don't, it's not really a UBC thing as much either. Um, no, so how did I that think... get decided? That's another mandate. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's definitely a mandate of our school, which is that we try to break down whatever barriers there are between technical and um artist or actor i should say mm-hmm. um so that we really from the very beginning we have production students who do the first term of acting with the acting students so they really get the experience of what it's like of the process mm-hmm. to be an actor and then the actors likewise do three terms of fulfilling the technical needs of the productions so they and they each have to do up to six crews during right. that time so they learn they they experience firsthand the different um needs and once they hit that stage, they always, they always have a real feeling of empathy, of compassion, uh, of understanding what the technical aspects are of the of the theater. And how I, how I wish that there were more people that had that experience. Yeah, as actors, you know. Yeah, we're really trying to create a, a well-rounded person mm-hmm. who has a global view and not just a very narrow view, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it makes for long hours for the students and everything, but they but also it helps them with transferable skills. Yes. You know, things that for those people who don't become actors, many of them use the other skills that they're learning to do other things. Um, it can also help the actors with employment when they don't have a job. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of front of house managers around the town or, um, studio grads and and uh, they some of them have moved into administration they but you know they do all kinds of other things as well and um you know all of this experience that they've gotten really helps them with um you know their future life Here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do, can do. I'm making Valentine, cause on the morning line, the guy has got him figured at five to nine. But look at Evans, he waited by a half, according to this here is a telegraph. 
Football Ricky Ralph Mike, I hear his foot's all right. Of course, it all depends if it rained last night. I know it's Can you talk to any personal experience with that? I know that you've obviously directed Oklahoma. What other shows have, have you done there? Um, well, I started by directing. This is all because Catherine trusted, entrusted me with the uh, ability to actually direct a musical. I mean, I'd never directed anything remotely as complex as Guys and Dolls in 2007, mm-hmm. which was with Lloyd, the great Lloyd Nicholson yes. as musical director, and Shelley Stewart-Hunt as right. the choreographer. Um, that was a really fantastic production, um, mm-hmm. which, which uh, really, for me, set the set the stage in terms of doing more musicals. I did that. I did Bye Bye Birdie. Right. Uh, I directed um, an original musical that was written by a team of students at the school who now have quite a lot of name recognition, mm-hmm. Anton Lipovetsky and Benjamin Elliott mm-hmm. and Hannah Johnson, uh, called The Park. Right. That was set in Vancouver, and it was a cute one act that started as a one act, and then we we did, re- we did it as a full production. Yeah. Um, and what was the other? Spring Awakening. Right, of course. Directed as well. And so... And the, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma. Yeah. And those are quite different shows Very altogether. Much, yeah. Some interesting things. I mean, um, Brian Pollock was the designer for Guys and Dolls. And I, I was talking about this the other day that some of the set pieces themselves, they had they had a, a round shape or mm-hmm. a, a um, you know, like a dish shape to them. Mm-hmm that really reflected the sound back out to the audience. Hmm. So some of the stuff from from years of working in the studio, you start to find these tricks that... Right. that so the actual set creates an acoustic... Uh, like a shell device. almost, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When you have somebody new in there, do they... Um, that Well, maybe they've seen a show there. Do they, do they have surprise about what, <laughs> what the technical limitations are? Have you felt any of that? Or Yeah, yeah. on a couple of shows, it's yeah. been a little bit of a problem because um, the designer... People who have worked in the space before, either as a student or something like that, they have a better grasp of what's required. Of course, yeah. in that space. And we were mentioning, you know, with doing 42nd Street, which is, is coming up, we're talking about quick changes mm-hmm. and actually finding space for uh, the students slash actors to uh, change into their million costumes where, they, where they're going to be and um, creating creating a space in there, you know, having a crossover, having spaces in the wings. How do you find that as a, as a challenge? Obviously, that's a design challenge. But I know that there's, just for the people that don't know this space, um, on the stage right side, there is sort of a props room, and there's also a kitchen that exists between that and another um, studio behind. Um, how do you deal with all the backstage spaces? What, what happens? That sort of reminds me of being, like, in a ship, you know, yep. in dust boot or something. Uh, <laughs> it's very um, nautical. Like, I mean, right. it, what I think it provides in a way for the students is the actual the opportunity of being in a a show that has to run very smoothly, has to have timed transitions backstage and on stage. So you really, <coughs> you really do. Uh, in a way, that's a great thing for them because they actually have to really make sure that that is very sharp, mm-hmm. very clean. And um, it puts the onus not just on the people on stage, but also people backstage. Right. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of precision required. And everybody has to be doing their part and be exactly where they're supposed to be when and be alert Mm -hmm. in order for it to work. And another unique thing about the space um, is that the audience has to somewhat come through part of the stage in order to get to the seats. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, that's it, another feature. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always a little bit of 
unintended interaction that isn't mm-hmm. always, or maybe mm-hmm. it is, maybe it's part of the experience. Yeah, no, um, and that has to be taken into account on the design too. That's right. I, I always find it interesting because, um, you know, the student uh, designers for Pam Johnson's class, they have to design sets, and so often they'll stick stuff there that prohibits the audience from getting in you know and, <laughs> won't be much of a show yeah, with them. <laughs> and, and and you have to say well no you re- can't really do that you know oh well i just flipped this whole enormous wall over and let them come through and it's like well that's really not that easy and you know and there are also fire regulations that have to be met of course yeah. you know like with aisles and exits and all this kind of stuff you know so it's a challenge I mean, we have a stage left issue always as well, which right. is that we, I mean, we have the opportunity to build a crossover, but there's no, per, well, I guess there is more of a permanent one. But anyway, mm-hmm. that stage left, there's no way to get it except through a crossover. So, right. you know, that's another challenge in terms of direction and, mm-hmm. and, and design. And again, for, for the listeners, there really isn't a stage left. Uh, it's mostly a wall, depending yeah. on how much yeah, you build it's a wall. Right. It's a wall. <laughs> the stage right, there's there's a little bit yeah. of space there with the stairs where you come in, but yeah, it's yeah. a wall. It's a wall. You can hear a garbage truck backing oh, yeah. up or something all with the all given all pitches time. coming up. And that goes <laughs> along with the um, rolling <laughs> carts up above you. Yeah. <laughs> and they and drop something. I don't know what they're dropping up there. Yeah. yeah. No, the kitchen, the cafeteria is right above, so you hear <laughs> all And the loading of... dock is right outside. <laughs> yeah. It keeps it. And there's a shop. There's a fine art shop on the south wall so right. in the back and behind the house so therefore you're hearing the lathes and the grinders and everything else going on about this space I felt with Oklahoma too though it's a sweeping show the audience felt like they were really in the show I mm-hmm. think a lot of ways they're in and I love that how do you, can you speak to a little bit about the audience being in or involved well I'm glad I mean that's the idea I feel like I think I feel like that's the idea of theater is to pull you into especially musical theater pull you into a world and mm-hmm. and, and take you someplace um, I think by nature of the proximity to the actors and there's also the entrances and exits are all through the space. The VOM, there's sort of two, or there's actually three entrances that are really close to the house. So mm-hmm. one goes right down through the house and the other two are right to the sides. Well, I think it's exciting for the audience because they are so much a part of it. They're mm-hmm. right yeah. there and they're right in it. And it's not like there's this big gulf between them and the work. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in, engaged right in it and they can really see there's not a bad seat in the house and they can yeah. really see what's going on up there. Yeah. You know, they're everybody's front row center. Mm-hmm. I also right. like the yeah. tradition that has come out of it. I'm um, just by partly by the fact that it has to be, but th- having the musicians also so close mm-hmm. and you see the musicians working yeah, and you see the music being made before your eyes as well. That is great because there is a natural, I mean, there's definitely a tendency on Broadway or in the bigger houses to hide those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they want to make it, 
filmistic or they want mm-hmm. to make it a, a distance. I love that there isn't that distance yeah. in this case. In a way, we want to, there's the idea that we want to see musicals really polished, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. really glossy on a big stage, but there's something nice and organic about this space. You're right. Yeah. Actually, there's something Brechtian even about it. Right. You know, you're, you're not fully, you're never fully in full uh, state of disbelief. You can always see the, I remember Oklahoma, mm-hmm. some feedback was that some of the exits People can't exit because of that stage left wall. Mm-hmm. They have to basically walk off stage or walk onto stage. And uh, there was some, a few, one or two reviews that sort of said, oh, I, didn't, I had a problem with that. Right. And then other people said, oh, I really like that because, mm-hmm. again, it's it's that same idea that you're seeing a play being made, you're seeing it being created before your eyes. Um, but I love that too, being a, an MD and being in studio space. It is, it's, I love that there is an interesting challenge like we did with Oklahoma. I have to think about reorchestrating the show to sort of suit the needs. And that's why I liked Oklahoma. We went for a, uh, a read like um, strings and read something that's really earthy. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice about mm-hmm. that show and, and mm-hmm. having to think about those things, really think about what the essence of the show. I mean, is. that's another thing to say is that acoustic instruments in that space work really really well Mm -hmm. because you because so often in a larger house you can't really uh, it has to be amplified you can't really hear the actual instrument the tone of the instrument itself coming directly to your ears so in that space it really can fill you can fill the space with acoustics for once in love with amy always in love with Amy Ever and ever Fascinated by her Set your heart afire To stay Once um, Your kiss We talk about Lloyd Nicholson a lot And it's he's come up on the program a few times In, in the episodes Um you were talking about he had some ideas for shows and I, you know, he had a certain aesthetic obviously for shows that he liked. Um, was where's Charlie one of his choices? Or? It was his final choice right. and he didn't get to actually, uh, right, he, he died before he was able to musical direct that show. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. But he had done the ones prior to that, right? He had guys and dolls mm-hmm. he had done. Yeah. And Bye Bye Birdie. And Bye Bye Birdie. Right. And, uh, Pal Joey too. Was that, did you do Pal Joey? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And he did that. And she uh, loves me. That was the first uh, musical I was ever yeah. in. You were in that show. I was right, in that show course. when I was a student at studio back in 1994, I believe. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. And Lloyd was the musical director. Now, did he, did he always have the band where we're having the band over on the on the little stage, or did it move around? Can I remember it moved. It did. It's it? my memory. Yeah. It, it moved. moved around. It is I, one of those things that gets forgotten sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No. Oh, right, no. He moved it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it varied. Well, guys and dolls, we had it right at the back yeah. on an actual platform, so the the band was visible above sort of a band a beautiful band shell that was all sculpted by the designer. Cool. But they were floating up above the world of the play and it was i remember that being very effective and how about technical requirements obviously you bring in designers to come work on the shows uh tell us a little bit how does how the students interact with the designers um well the designers end up overseeing the students to a large extent for example um with the costume designer she has she's assigned a costume crew Right. of students and she's responsible for putting them to work 
and giving them things to do. So being a designer at the studio isn't as easy as just being the designer somewhere else because you also end up being a teacher. Right. Um, you have to work with the students, and some of them are uh, willing, more willing than others, and some have more skills than others. And what we say to the students is we don't expect you to have a high skill level. We expect you to have a good attitude mm. and be open. And um, so... Yeah, the designer might also have an assistant that is a paid individual, but they have to use this student work, the student crew, because that's really who they're, uh, who's going to build a lot of those costumes and everything. That's great. So it's a challenge. And the same thing with uh, the set. There's also a technical director who's going to oversee the actual construction of the set, but, uh, and the painting. Again, that's going to be supervised. The paint um, is going to be designed by the designer, but it's going to be executed by students. And the construction of the set will be done by students. And the props, there's somebody in charge of props who's um, a paid employee, but they, the crew will all be working under her, and they have to create the props. So, right. yeah, it's a challenge for a, sure. a designer. Catherine brings up something else that's, I think, very essential to our program, which is the fact that we have this fantastic staff that function as sort of like the production staff. Um, and they're a, a little aside. They do do some teaching, but they're aside from the faculty. Mm -hmm. And they basically run the production aspect. And so we have production manager, currently Daniel Dolan. Mm -hmm. Bruce Kennedy, as technical director, has been working there for a long time. Sherry Sadler <laughs> has also been working for some time, for a, for a long, long time. time. Yeah. And uh, all three of them, she's the publicity mm -hmm. manager and uh, communications person. Anyway, they really allow us to function to do these marvelous productions because they, they, you know, they, they organize, they oversee and they integrate yeah. the students into everything. Mm -hmm. I think it must be interesting to have to run what is essentially like a theater company mm -hmm. in an educational institution. Um, how did that come about? Is, was that from the inception of the idea? Like it was that way or has that come over the years? No, I think that was always part of Anthony's original idea was that a lot of the training would be through production. Right. Um, and, you know, it's changed over time. I mean, it used to be completely insane. It, I mean, not that it isn't now, but um, when I took over the program, one of the first things, there used to be three productions per term. And I, I think back on it and I think, how on earth did we ever do that? But I do remember at one point I was directing something and I think I was the third one in a term. And the students were so exhausted that they literally couldn't rehearse. I mean, they were just completely gone. And I said to Anthony, you know, we've got to give these people a week off. There's no point mm -hmm. in continuing on with this because they just, they can't even function, you know. And so that's what we did, and they came back, and we managed. It was a relatively simple show. You right. know, it wasn't a musical or anything, but even at that, they just, they couldn't handle it. And they were good people. They're people still working in the industry, right? you know, that were in this show. Um but So one of the first things I did was I dropped it down to two shows per um, semester. And then, <laughs> and then about 2000, I think it was, um, we had an excess of women. And so we thought, well, let's do an extra, just, uh, another 
you know, sort of sidebar production over in one of the other rooms, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just as sort of a, a project kind of thing. And here we are doing it 17 years later, you know, so we um, have now managed to go back up to three per um, term, but it, but not three full productions. Right. You know, we've kept it down to one project-like piece, which we call the Risky Nights, mm. and then two full productions. But uh, I can't even remember what your question was. <laughs> well, just uh, having to basically do uh, what would a theater company would do yeah. in an instant in an educational institution. Well, Langara does its best to support. It. I mean, they do great things, and mm. I, they have become. I would say the administration has definitely improved in terms of getting more on board. I mean, this is the best. I, I think Catherine would agree that it's ever been that the, okay. the they're very much pro studio 58 Great. and not to say that they weren't before but i feel like there's more um, awareness of what we are doing and what and and also the importance of our program from mm-hmm. from the administration oh i would say it's definitely improved um you know there were some dark times uh in my many years at mm-hmm. langara college where um i think that theater arts was basically viewed as a pain in the butt to put it quite uh, bluntly, mm-hmm. you know, and that we were something that have to had to be suffered through, um, and we're always creating problems. And I don't believe that that's the case anymore. We have a much, much more supportive administration, and it's been improving steadily over the years from its low point. Mm-hmm. Um, However, the the one thing that they that they can't really change because of certain constraints is space itself. Right. Ironically, well, that's I mean, choices too, though, David. They made some yes, um, distinct choices. For example, um, the next building that was originally meant to be built on Langara campus was a creative arts center, and that is not what was built. Uh, it was a sciences building. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's lots of reasons for that, and this and that, and everything. And um, it was an acting president who made that choice at the time. But um, you know. Space is an enormous problem, and it's not just the space that we do the shows in. It's every other aspect of our space, you know, or lack thereof. Mm. Um, They are, I think, at the moment, actively trying to address this issue. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there's several initiatives that are out there, and and I'm hopeful. I remember seeing that building being built during Oklahoma, the new sciences building. Mm-hmm. First of all, I wasn't sure it was a building. I didn't realize how it would all work. <laughs> I, it looked like a parking garage. I wasn't quite sure <laughs> because of all the framing. I mean, it's a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, just the lack of real estate, uh, Langara is just a, a, an issue. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> I mean, as the scheduler on high of the mm-hmm. program, I always think if we just had one more room, yeah, right. mm-hmm. we could... Well, it's because... The big problem, right, you know, we've always had to deal with is that we have to use what is effectively the green room or in the dressing room and the green room. The, yeah, as a, a classroom during the day, what what functions as a classroom during the day then becomes production space at night. Right. right. And, and that, well, actually with two rooms because mm-hmm. the studio itself is also one of our rooms. Of course. Anyway, I won't go on at great length, but it's that... It's that crazy um, scheduling thing where you can't ever have dedicated space.
can you tell me a little bit about the the choice of 42nd Street? Was that your choice, Catherine, to do yeah, the show? Yeah, that was mine. What um, is it that stood out with for that show to do? I don't know. I just like the idea of a whole bunch of people tap dancing, I right. think. I thought, oh, wouldn't that be fun? You know, and we managed, we pulled it off with Oklahoma. <laughs> I think we could do this, I thought to myself. Well, <laughs> I've you. always loved 42nd Street. Oh, sure. You know, too. I remember seeing it on Broadway when it first opened. Right. Did you see Jerry Orbach in the show? Did you see uh, the original cast or maybe a secondary cast? I don't remember, yeah. but, you know, I saw that that first production back in the 80s. Right. And uh, I just loved it. I remember the curtain going up and all those people tapping. And I just yeah. thought, oh, this is the best. Amazing. So tell me a little bit about your hope for studio from both of you. Where, where do you want studio to go? Like, what's, what's the plan? Well, we're going to have a great big rethink about the studio. Um, starting next fall, we have to do a program review, it's called. Mm-hmm. And that will um, give us the opportunity to completely, you know, take a hard look at what we have been doing and what we've been doing well and what the future is, where theater is going, where the jobs are going to be, all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, although it's going to be a lot of administrative work, I think it's going to be a really worthwhile process because, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think we do need to, to address. We've got a lot of people that are have been teaching for many years that are going to be retiring so that gives us an opportunity to bring in new blood, to bring in more diversity, which is something that mm-hmm. I think we absolutely have to do. Um, we want to hear from the students to find out where they think we should be going, where they what they think works. We want to hear from the graduates. We want to hear from the community. You know, so it's going to be a big, um, inclusive process to see where we should be going next. Mm. And is, and, this, is it an outside review? How is it done? Well, it's process? done from within Langara College, right. but um, we contact, um, you know, the community. We contact graduates, and we also listen to current students, plus, you know, the faculty. Right. Yeah, I agree with, I feel like, I hope the future, as there are going to be some changes in terms of personnel in the next decade, of Studio 58, and my hope would be that it continues to be as relevant and as um, high standard in a caliber in, in everything in terms of productions, in terms of the teaching that it has been in the past. So that's a challenge because the the level of mastery of, of the teachers who are currently there is mm-hmm. very, very high. Mm-hmm. So it is a, it's going to be a, a real process. What are you most proud of? Studio oh, for me, it's just seeing the success of the people who have graduated from the program. Mm. You know, whether they're actors or they've become doctors or they're lawyers or they're, you know, um, administrators, you know, the head of the Dublin Fringe Festival in Ireland or, you know, whatever they're doing. Mm. Um, that to me is what's really personally rewarding is seeing the wonderful lives that our graduates lead. Yes, and also the actual uh, feeling of the school itself, mm. being in the school, the the sense of uh, excitement among the students, the the way the students bring so much energy and vitality and and the interaction with the st- with the teachers as well. Mm-hmm. I feel it's very healthy. Yeah. Well, it's the reason I'm still there is because those students still give me a lot of um, energy and zest. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. And, 
you know, and also just the dedication of the people who work there is really inspiring. Mm-hmm. The staff that David mentioned, um, Sherry and Bruce and Daniel and um, all of the instructors, you know, are all, everybody's working towards the same goal and that's exciting and it doesn't happen in so many cases, you know, and there's not a lot of, um, oh, big personality stuff, you know, where people are vying for a position and things like that, you know, which is often destructive in academic um, situations, or I certainly know some that have been, you know, poisonous in the past, and we haven't had that situation. And I'm grateful for that. I think it's possibilities that seem to, that stands out to me. That's the thing about education and seeing um, when new people come in is just seeing a blank uh, Sondheim put in Sunday in the park at the beginning of the show. He, he talks about how an artist sees a blank canvas and so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how it begins the show and ends the show is with that statement. And I think a lot of that applies to uh, education in this, in this case. Oh yeah, very much. You know, people come in with, um, everybody who gets in has talent and some degree of, um, passion and dream that they're chasing. Mm. And, you know, we give them the skills as they go along to become the artists that they want to be. And that's really exciting. His favorite, so many possibilities. People who have never thought of themselves as ever being capable of being in a musical are suddenly finding themselves in the middle of this musical and just having a wonderful time and going for it and uh, realizing that they, they too can do it. And so um, when I walk into this room, I see all this discipline Mm -hmm. and fun Mm -hmm. going hand in hand and people really working hard and Mm -hmm. having a great time doing it. And that's, um, I think that will communicate really well to an audience. Thank you so much for coming in today. Our pl- my pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. This was yeah, fun. This was really fun. Thank you. That was my conversation with Catherine Shaw and David Hudgens of Studio 58. Please visit our website at fromthepitpodcast.com for more information, including some pictures of the theater at Studio 58. 
Also, enter for a chance to win some tickets to the upcoming production of 42nd Street, opening February 4th, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash fromthepitpodcast, and join the conversation.